Green Team Academy podcast, episode 56, my interview with Van Fussell of Compost Colorado and his innovative business approach, which is a mashup of compost collection and sustainable subscription box service. Hey, are you ready to make a positive impact for the planet? If so, then you're in the right place. My name is Joan Gregerson, and I am an eco-nut. Thanks for joining me today, and don't forget to head over to the greenteamacademy.com website to pick up plenty of other resources to help you on your way. And with that, let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Thanks so much for hanging out with me for another episode of the Green Team Academy podcast. And I'm so excited to be hanging out today and to introduce you to Van Fussell of Compost Colorado. You know, um, this is kind of an interesting thing that composting, it's, it's one of the simplest mechanisms on the planet, right? I mean, you just have things and it rots and and turns into this beautiful topsoil that grows things. But somehow, like so many other things, we've managed to really complicate that and and break that that cycle. And so there's there's all kinds of cool implications with with what can happen when we start composting more. And um and there's all different kinds of businesses popping up and, and figuring out ways to help people. And so that is what Van is doing. So with that, we're, we're going to talk more all about that. But with that, I just want to say thank you so much, Van, for joining us. And if you don't mind, just start by telling us how the heck did you get into uh, running your own compost business? Well, thank you so much, Joan, for having me on the podcast. I'm very uh, flattered for you to invite me on your show. I've listened to several episodes, so uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for what you do and um, for giving a voice to all the different aspects of environmental activists here in Colorado and beyond. It's really great. So I uh, thank you for letting me get on the soapbox a little bit and talk about composting and why I think it's so great and important. So yeah, I started Compost Colorado last year and I basically were a compost collection service. Um, We collect commercially and residentially and um, we're trying to spread the word about composting and why it's one of the most important things that everyone can do to become a little bit more green and make a, a good environmental impact, so. Yeah. Okay, so how did you, what were you doing before? I mean, what led you up to this point? Like what other, what triggered you? Like, you know what, dang it, I'm going to start this company. Yeah, that's a really good question. I definitely did not see this coming at all. This is not on my radar um, by any means. I suppose that I, um, a lot of the inspiration for composting and for environmentalism um, manifested itself in, in college. I studied agroecology as my minor. So it's sustainable agriculture and um, the study of just how to incorporate sustainability into a lot of different uh, aspects of our lives. And so, uh, yeah, 
kind of always had an interest in environmentalism. And when I moved to Colorado just under two years ago, I was really surprised. Uh, I moved from North Carolina and I was really surprised that uh, composting wasn't as popular here because composting to me is like chapter one of environmentalism. I mean, you, there's so many more steps you can take after that. And those, they're really great, but composting to me is like the lowest rung on the ladder to begin with. It's low hanging fruit and it makes a really big impact. And I was really surprised and astonished about that. So I started digging and I, uh, yeah, later on, I just decided I should start a company that would sort of be a catalyst for this movement. So, yeah. I feel like you have a lot of puns going in there because you're talking about low-hanging fruit and then digging and, you know, I like it. I'm not sure if that was intended, but <laughs> that's pretty good. So, so um, what would you say, I don't know, actually, I think it's probably worth describing the basic cycle that is composting and maybe contrasting that to what happens when we don't compost. So I really like what you touched upon in your intro um, that kind of relates back to this question about how composting really is just part of the natural life cycle. It's a very just basic part of, um, in, you know, ecology and nature. Things uh, have a natural life cycle where they, they grow from, from the earth, um, the sun and water and oxygen, and they break down organically. And there's life that helps break those things down and um, regenerate into more life. And so composting really is a huge part, um, a huge beautiful part of that uh, natural environmental life cycle. And uh, we have complicated it with landfills and with uh, a lot of waste practices that um, really don't make sense, kind of like a lot of um, aspects of our society. Really, we're fighting against ourselves here. Instead of taking these organic materials and taking them to a landfill where they don't break down and in fact turn into greenhouse gas emissions that are one of the major sources for global warming, um, we could actually just take that to a different site process it minimally and turn it into really healthy soil that we could use for, to solve other problems, such as soil degradation um, and other issues and have people have access to healthy soil to feed their communities. So um, it really is something that is a lot more simple and is a lot more, um, yeah, it's a, it, composting is definitely something that could uh, be, be made easier than it is right now. All right. So that's, that's probably a good segue. So that's where you came in, right? Where you're like, you know what, dang it. Why is this not a bigger deal in Colorado? Cause you know, Colorado has this, this reputation of being kind of an environmentally conscious place, but we do see that our recycling numbers are low and composting as well. So, so yeah. what, did what did you see as a business opportunity where because because Denver if we're talking about Denver now Denver does have curbside composting so people can pay around ten dollars a month and get the green cart that is parked outside 
Um, but you know, I'm not actually one of those people that can get that because I live in an apartment and those things go along with, um, the city's pickup service. So there are a lot of us out there that, um, that don't get that. So is, what did you see as the business opportunity to, to fill in with? So what does compost Colorado kind of focus on? So the city does collect compost like alongside their trash and recycling. And they launched that about a couple years ago, which in terms of other cities composting and zero waste programs, it was a little bit behind the curve. Um, but I'm, it's really great that they, they are finally implementing this and it's a, it's a growing um, program. So it does take a little while to um, have your bin delivered if you live in a single family household. But even then... Like you said, if you live in an apartment, if you live in a condo, if you're a business, the city will not collect from you. And so the majority of the waste is coming from, the majority of both waste and organic waste that can be composted is is coming from sources that the city will not be able to pick up. Most people live in uh, multi-family homes, apartment buildings, um, and businesses, of course, like coffee shops and restaurants generate a ton of organic waste that the city cannot pick up. So it's not... Um, like the city offering a compost collection service will solve the issue. And so that's where we fit in great is that we sort of pick up where the city leaves off and try to make composting as easy, affordable, and um, effective as possible for all different environments. Okay, so I like what you're saying. You're saying that Compost Colorado basically picks up where the city leaves off. And um, man, the levels of puns are great in here um, where you're picking up. And so, so how does that work? Just give us an example, say for an apartment dweller. So usually that um, the apartment contracts with the company that picks up the trash and if they have recycling. Um, but, but so then if an, an individual apartment dweller wants to make a change, if they can't convince the whole building to do it, what are their options? What, what would you recommend for somebody like that? How does that work? There's a lot of um, hurdles for folks living in an apartment or condo to compost. So like you said, um, the building will often have a contract with a waste hauler um, to have a dumpster in the back. Um, Almost all of them don't even have recycling, which is crazy. Like so many apartment buildings, it's not mandatory for apartment buildings to even have recycling. So that's why you're seeing really low diversion rates here um, in in Denver and in Colorado. It's, 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 yeah, it's insane. Um, So, but one of the reasons why they don't have recycling and of course they don't have composting is because It is a space issue. So these apartment buildings don't have adequate space to install uh, in place a second, you know, three-yard dumpster. And so because of that space issue, they only have one dumpster. And uh, that was how the city was kind of designed back, you know, in this, you know, the 20th century. And so they didn't have the um, recycling and composting on their minds when they were doing planning. But... So what we do is that we provide a bucket for individual members to keep inside their own flat and fill up with all their food and organic waste. And then we collect that every week. And so why that is great is because we replace it with a clean bucket 
And this keeps the smell and other nasty factors that come with composting completely mitigated. And um, the apartment uh, managers and building managers don't have to worry about uh, nasty smells or uh, pests, you know, being attracted to these um, rotting food smells because they're, they're in these sealed bins that we're collecting every week. And um, space isn't an issue because there are these small buckets. And so it's really a win-win-win for uh, the tenant and for the apartment building and for us. So it's a, it's a great solution. We're finding a lot of uh, buy-in from uh, building managers now. So that's, it's, that's really great. You know, you get one, a member in one building and they are, they're at first, the building managers are at first like a little bit adverse to this new program. They're like, well, what's this food waste is rotting in a bucket. Ah, they don't like it. And so, but then when they, it starts being implemented and they see that there's hardly any smell tenants like it. And, uh, the building manager, um, is accommodating to this new feature. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a plus for folks to live in that building when the building managers are accommodating to the service. So it's a good selling point for the property managers. So once again, it's just a, it's a great win all around. If someone is looking at a new apartment or moving to somewhere and they're asking, Hey, do you guys have recycling or composting? If they know about this, then they can say, well, you know, we don't provide it as a whole, but there are some of our tenants do use this service so you can get composting. So that's kind of cool. And, and the other thing I wanted to say about that van is, yeah, man, I am definitely one of those people living in an apartment where I've tried like heck to, to get my apartment um, manager to get recycling in. And it's, I agree. There's no word other than insane because I grew up about a mile from here and there's been curbside recycling pickup because it was a single family home for at least 30 years, if not longer. And then you move one mile away. I'm using less resources. I have a teeny tiny, my electric bill is like $14 a month. Like I'm, I'm being resource efficient and then I don't have recycling, so I can, I can definitely relate to that. So how does that work as far as the building manager having to be accommodating, or I don't know if they have to be accommodating, but do you find that um, some people want to have pickup, but there's an issue with someone coming in to the building or how? Right. So we haven't had any issues with property managers uh, yet. So that's, that's been a great oh, thing. Okay, good. Um, some of them have been slow to respond to emails regarding uh, member drop-off locations. So because of the way we, um, we pick up the bucket every week and it's, you know, there's food waste inside, we want the, the collection and drop-off location to be, um, you know, a, an ideal location. It, it shouldn't be outside directly in the sun all day long. And so this is, so this um, brings up another uh, point another feature about our business, which is that um, to make composting and our service more interesting and appealing, we also have a online cocoa store where our members can buy uh, sustainable and local progressive products and have them shipped in their new clean bucket for free, you know, free shipping. 
And um, so we want those products in the new clean bucket to be in a safe place, similar to wherever they get their packages. So um, ideally the spot is in a mail room or sometimes they, bigger buildings have storage closets that they set up for us. Um, so those are kind of like the ideal locations. When we're working with a new member in a new big building, um, we, we tend to directly go to the property manager, tell them, hey, we have this member signing up. And um, they're almost always, you know, they're pretty accommodating um, to this because it's obviously good for the planet. It's a, um, they don't want to make their tenant unhappy uh, by not being accommodating. Um, we lay out all the benefits of our service and how we use these smell-proof locking lid bins that really make it uh, a non-issue for smells, et cetera. Um, so property management hasn't been an issue. You know, there's, you can see a path for it to become business as usual. And, and yeah. as everything with the environment, that it should be a bonus. It should be seen as a bonus because, of course, like the, if, if we're not doing it, there is a cost that's being incurred. It's just not being uh, calculated. It's not being acknowledged when, we're, when we do silly things like sending food to a landfill. Compost Colorado is all about uh, is all about that idea of like making environmentalism viral or making environmentalism um, more appealing and more inclusive. I think that by combining the the service of distributing local progressive products into the the bins. Okay, so I want to interrupt you and just go back a second because you mentioned something about things coming in the buckets, in the new bucket. So not only is it a clean bucket, but it's, it's like a goodie bucket or what, what the heck is, is, is in those buckets. So basically what we do is that we act, we use the new clean bucket as a reusable um, delivery vessel, if you will. So unlike, you know, you know, delivery services who are packaging everything in cardboard that um, of course uses a lot of water a lot of resources to make, even if it is recycled cardboard. Um, these reusable buckets are just a really great and obviously sturdy um, container to transport um, products. And so we work with other local progressive brands on uh, distributing sample products to our members to expose um, our eco-minded folks to really cool products. So Boulder Granola donated a whole bunch of granola to our members recently. So that was really cool. We are we recently partnered with Namaste Solar. So all our cocoa members got a, a voucher on their bucket that said, you know, that they all get $250 off solar installations. And so we're really trying to f find a way to use this bucket, this as not just a, um, not just a, not just a, a thing for collecting your compost, but also as a means of um, learning and being exposed to other local progressive uh, businesses and causes in the, in the community. That's incredible. That's got so many pluses to it because I think a lot of people end up ordering things from Amazon or whatever, honestly, out of a little bit of boredom or I don't know, they want just like some kind of zing in their life. And it's what, you know, in a different age, it would be, you'd be a shopaholic by going to a mall. 
Um, and I, I think people do want like some surprise and some, you know, like who doesn't want a surprise showing up at your door. So I that, agree. I think, yeah, I think there's definitely some, and I think Amazon is reinforcing the psychology of like having something delivered to your house all the time. And people are, are almost expecting that zing as you called it. Um, this little surprise, this little toy, um, to come every week, whether it's like, some cheap sunglasses or whether it's some new uh, electronic toy. They're, they're ordering all this, this junk from Amazon and um, we're trying to sort of use that um, or deconstruct that consumerist behavior and turn it into something that's good. And they're maybe not getting um, something that's uh, they're getting like a sustainable toy or like they're getting a cool zine that introduces them to some incredible artists in their community, or they're getting some awesome pickles from like uh, the real deal pickles there. You can buy, you know, some, some like really great artisan products from our store as well. So I think it's just a great way for um, folks to really start shopping local, um, which of course is great for the economy, but is also great for the environment because when you're shopping local, there's less um, inputs and stuff coming from shipping all across the country and more stuff coming locally. And so there's, um, there's a lot of environmental uh, benefits to, to shopping local and to buying stuff from the cocoa store. So Van, you're saying so that people will get a, a sample of these different things. And then if they want to purchase some of those, that they could, they can order those. And then yes. they get then they get delivered in future weeks. Yes. So we have both. We we provide sample products for free, often in the buckets. Um, and then in addition to the samples and perks that come in your bucket, we have the Cocoa Store. So and that's where we have like a, a larger catalog of products um, that folks can buy. So um, maybe at first they'll get like a little tea sample from Rose House Gifts, and then they'll be like, cool, like. You know, and they'll learn that Rose House Gifts off Broadway, they compost and they're, you know, they're, they run all their energy off, off wind turbines, which is really great. And they'll be like, wow, that's awesome. And then we'll have their tea in our cocoa store for these, um, for folks to buy and source later. If they live in Inglewood or Edgewater and maybe they don't live near the Rose House Gifts, but they want to support their mission, we're sort of providing them a platform for this local business to to sort of distribute their goods in a sustainable, cost-effective way. Yeah, and I, I love that, yeah, that you're, you're double booking that trip. I mean, you're already, that trip is already going to happen to pick exactly. it up, bring the bucket, and so you're, you're – this is what nature does. You know, nature does all these brilliant things. There's this – nature is so efficient and so effective, and I, I feel like you're, uh, you're modeling that – and everything that you're doing. Okay, Van, so you just mentioned businesses a moment ago. So tell us a little bit about what what kind of businesses are good for you, like, you know, would be good for a composting pickup and um, how that all works. We collect from a myriad of different kinds of businesses, from coffee shops, small restaurants, office spaces, events, um, like I mentioned earlier, we're trying to you know, fit in wherever there is waste and the city doesn't collect. So there's so many different kinds of uh, environments um, 
there's, you know, breweries, there's coffee, you know, coffee shops, plant stores. We try to create a customized plan for each of these commercial clients so that it best integrates in and it, it composting becomes something that isn't like seen as a, uh, an extra thing they have to do, but is actually easier. So the way we do that, for example, with coffee shops, um, I was collecting today from Mutiny Cafe and Spur Coffee and Amethyst, for example. So we all we do a similar bucket swap with these commercial clients. So, which is another really important, I think we can talk about this in a little bit about um, not using bags for collecting compost and not using bags in general for tra trash and recycling. But um, we're very bagless. We're, we're part of the bagless philosophy here at Compost Colorado. So we, we pick up those buckets of coffee grounds. They're very heavy. Um, and then we swap them out with clean buckets. So the staff at these coffee shops, they never have to take out these heavy trash bags full of coffee grounds that end up ripping and spilling all over themselves. And, we, and then they, they, so they love it because there's something less for them to have to do. And then... Um, yeah, we come like twice a week and swap them out. Um, and that's sort of how we work and fit in with coffee shops and small restaurants that have more waste. And then with plant stores and office spaces, we also provide these buckets um, and collect maybe once or twice a week, depending on their volume and um, discuss like placement of the buckets and education and everything like that to sort of make this, uh, this new initiative become really easy for um, everyone involved. So we really are um, cognizant of, of training, of education, and just trying to make it so people view it as um, something that's good and not something that's like extra they have to do. So, so then how about signage? Because I, I think that people, that might be an area of concern, especially like a lot of people aren't sure exactly what to compost themselves and if they have to talk to customers or something, how do you, how do you deal with that? Within the trash recycling compost um, tribe in round, there's a lot of confusion about what goes in which bin all the time. People are confused. There's misinformation out there about what's compostable, what's recyclable. So to solve that issue on each of the buckets, we actually um, have a list of what you can and what you cannot throw in. So it's, we try to make it so it's like, I mean, they're, come, they're gonna use this bucket regardless, and so they can easily always come back to this and know what can and cannot be included. And so, um, for example, we, we let people you know, compost all their produce, any of their leftovers, you know, we accept meat, bones, because we work with an industrial compost facility for processing, and then paper towels, plants, compostable cups, etc. And then we include the, a list of stuff that can't be composted. So plastics and um, styrofoam, obviously, and metal and cork. And I think what people find is that 50% approximately of things you'd be throwing in the trash are actually compostable. And this is a this is, a, this, is, this is a common thing they find in most landfills is that half of what's in the landfill is actually compostable. And so we really try to make it clear on the buckets and through education um, what people can and cannot throw in. Do you find, though, that in something like a coffee shop where um, they might have some, like, customer-facing collection areas, do they need a little extra 
signage or something like that? Most of the the commercial places I collect from, um, we do not have front of house waste receptacles for compost. And this is, um, while this may not be like the most like greenwashing thing that that the business can do, because having composting at the front of the house is like a really good look. You know, we're a progressive coffee shop. We compost. It's actually like way less important than the back of the house, the actual people that are making the compost or, you know, making the coffee. Um, it's way less important than those employees composting because almost all the waste back there is compostable. Honestly, each place that is going to have front of house composting or recycling, they need to, they need to have a customized list infographic of what, they could possibly include in those because each place is different. Each place is going to have different um, wax paper. It's going to have different kinds of um, silverware and no, no restaurant is the same. And so, you know, you can go to a legal pizza and almost everything they have is compostable, right? They only have compost and recycling bins front of the house to make it easier. Um, but at another place, there's going to be three bins and they're going to be like, well, I was composting these at Illegal Pete's. Can I compost these here? And so what Illegal Pete's does and what um, really needs to be done everywhere, there's a tribe-in system for um, consumers, is having a really descriptive infographic with um, the pictures of what can and cannot be compostable for that location. We want a simple answer. <laughs> and like everybody wants it to be the same everywhere. But what what you're saying is, you know, that's, that's kind of optimistic thinking that's kind of naive. And so just go ahead and, and take that extra effort and, and figure out all the, <clears throat> all the products that you have and where they need to go and make it very explicit and yeah, an infographic rather than even just a list. If you're, if you, if it is front of house so that people can just see it and identify it and drop it in there. Yeah, I think the legal Pete system of having just they've been they've done a really good they've done a really great job of having just composting and recycling front of house, and by having like I know it may it may not seem like it would make a big difference, but by having two options instead of three, it really makes it a lot easier psychologically for people because if they're having to look at all three options and some things going to I mean it just makes it a lot more difficult so. Um, hopefully we'll be seeing more of those, um, those systems put in place, front of house, um, you know, direct customer facing places, but. Based on what you're just saying. Yeah. I bet that having three bins, it's probably exponentially more decisions than having two bins. Yeah. Just knowing that that the restaurant itself has decided we're not using anything that needs to go to landfill. So if, if you brought something in that needs to go to landfill, well then that's your business. But from our perspective that it would be completely a hundred percent waste diversion. That is so cool. So um, Ben, one of the things I wanted to, to ask you real quick, and I know you, you mentioned it kind of briefly, but um, is thinking about composting as cli- as a climate action. 
Yes. Um, I'm really glad you asked this question. I think so many people do not realize that composting, the, the impact of uh, composting, um, the impact it has on our atmosphere and uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So when organic materials, such as food waste, leaf mulch, et cetera, ends up at a landfill, it gets trapped in styrofoam and plastic and other inert uh, materials, and it breaks down anaerobically really slowly. So without oxygen, it's trapped, and it can take decades and hundreds of years even for like some watermelon rind to finally decompose when it's trapped. And so when it's releasing, what it ends up releasing in that process is methane gas, which is 22 times more potent in terms of heat capacity than carbon dioxide. And so what they're finding is that uh, nearly 20% of our greenhouse gas emissions in America comes from our landfills. And so it's not the styrofoam that's releasing – styrofoam, when it goes to a landfill, it does not release greenhouse gas emissions because it is, it's inert. It's not organic. But all this other stuff is what's releasing that. So half of what goes to a landfill, like I mentioned earlier, is compostable. So if we diverted half, we would, one – save space in the landfill for those few things that are not compostable or recyclable and save money there. But we would also completely mitigate those greenhouse gas emissions that are really harming the atmosphere. And there's, there's a lot of different ways to reduce your carbon footprint, your, um, to become a uh, composting. And I say this all the time is it's the easiest and most effective way for you to make a difference for climate change. You are, instead of like giving up meat entirely or giving up driving entirely, which are pretty radical um, lifestyle shifts, this shift is only as simple as, this is just you throwing the banana peel in a third bin. It's really easy. It's, and like I said, we try to make it even easier. We're cleaning your bucket every week. We're providing you perks and samples in your, in your new bin. So we're really trying to, to make this, I, you know, this process even easier for people because, I mean, climate change is a really terrible issue. And this is one of the most important um, components of combating climate change, in my opinion, and the EPA's opinion as well. So I really think that um, the, the attention climate change and greenhouse gas emissions are getting is helping drive the zero waste and composting movement. And I'm, I'm glad that people are starting to become more aware. All right. So then now we come to the big question, um, Van, how much? So that, you know, maybe a lot of people would go for composting if they knew um, that, it, that it was something that was affordable. I think a lot of people don't even know that it's an option, but they might actually just assume that it's out of their price range. So can we talk a little bit about the, the cost and what, it would, what that price is for people to have this kind of service? One of the uh, factors in me wanting to start this business is that I personally could not afford a uh, compost collection service um, in Denver when I was living in an apartment about a year ago. I think I mean, the options that were available were about $30 a month for a one-gallon container of food waste every week. And to me, that was not something I was able to afford at the time. And so that really got us thinking about how we could um, make 
Compost Colorado, a more affordable service for everyone. And um, which is why we've developed this innovative approach for, um, for bringing in other forms of revenue other than just um, the, you know, the membership fee. So our, our membership fees start at $16.99 and that is the, our, our middle rate that most people choose is $21.99. That's our uh, um, ecological grub staker plan. And then our uh, gold plan, our, or we call our cocoa leadership level is thirty four ninety nine, and that gets you a lot more. That's for folks who um, are a little bit more gung ho and are interested in getting some of the other features that we offer. So they get um, invited to our cocoa conference, semi annual cocoa conference, and um, they get more samples in their buckets, etc. Um, so we have a few different pricing plans that so that it's uh, for people have the option to make it more affordable for for their needs. Um, and longer term, it would be really a beautiful world if we could really get the cocoa store um, to accommodate um, more of our revenue stream and then hopefully offer the compost collection service as um, just complimentary. Um, so that's something we're, we're you know, looking to do in the future. So um, definitely uh, trying to keep composting and uh, affordable and inclusive to everybody. So. So that would be cool if Amazon, I, I was thinking about that, like for all the Amazon deliveries, like they should have free pickup of all the, the stuff that they deliver, like all the packaging and all that stuff. They should be taking it back with them. So, so this is kind of a, 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 a better version of that where you're, you're providing them products and then you're also uh, doing the compost pickup, but yeah, I mean, what, I like what you're what you're talking about because it is more of a, a loop, and using every single part of that that process to be something useful rather than uh, just than wasteful. So that's so cool. Well, I just really want to thank you, Van, for hanging out with us today and inspiring people to to compost. I mean, it is. It's one of those things, you know, I didn't grow up composting. I didn't grow up around gardens or anything. And um, once I started composting, I just, I have such a love affair with rotting food now that it just breaks my heart to, <laughs> to do anything other than, um, than compost something like a, a banana peel. And it's, I really appreciate you being out there and educating people to, to the beauty of this natural system that, that we could, as you were saying earlier, instead of, you know, that we could be supporting it rather than fighting against it. So is there any last thing that we didn't cover before uh, we sign off here? Well, I do want to say that um, one of the things that's really helping Coco and um, I think Colorado in general is this uh, Denver Compost Challenge that um, is going on right now. So a team of, there's a great team of, of green, uh, a green team that is um, really spearheading this, um, Tara and uh, Jasmine of EcoCycle are two of uh, my colleagues, and they are um, really help getting the word out about composting. And so um, I want to say that if 
folks want to feel a sense of competition, maybe um, get a little bit, of, maybe that'll inspire them to compost. Um, you know, there's going to be uh, metrics on different neighborhoods and how much, you know, each neighborhood or each in each city council member, their district uh, composts. And so it'll be um, Coco's, you know, really happy to be working with the compost challenge um, and uh, getting the word out there about the benefits of composting. And um, I'm just really uh, thankful for, for them for spearheading this and um, yeah, really marketing composting and the importance of it. So. I can't believe I forgot to mention that because that, that Denver compost challenge came, that was really started as an idea with Tara in one of our green team accelerator lab meetings. And so I'm mentoring 20 teams across Metro Denver, and our partners are Denver Sustainable Neighborhoods and EcoCycle. And so some of the teams are Congress Park. So that's Tara. That's where Tara Toll is um, connected. And so it was really her idea, and she started asking people in this accelerator lab, anybody else interested in this? And people are saying, yeah, that's a great idea. So I'm so glad that you reminded me about that. And I will, I'll include in the show notes the link to the Denver Compost Challenge website. There are resources at the Denver Recycles as well as on Denver Sustainable Neighborhoods um, that have all kinds of graphics and educational things that you can print out and hand out. And on the Sustainable Neighborhoods, it's ideas for things that you can do, whether it's tabling at an event. One of the neighborhoods just did, they pushed compost, recycling, and trash bins in the 4th of July parade, and then they did a zero-waste effort there and talked to people about composting. So, yeah, there are so many great resources there, and I can't believe I completely forgot to mention that. So, thank you so much for, for bringing that up. All right. So with that, I'm going to sign off here and remind everybody that the time for action is now because there is no planet B. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you so much, John. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for another episode of the Green Team Academy podcast. Remember to check out all the resources to help you make a positive eco-impact in your community at greenteamacademy.com. Thanks so much and see you right back here soon.